You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now last week we had a look at the knowledge that we blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. It was our increase anointing evening and uh, with those of us that were here, let me see how many of you were here, and we have already had so many testimonies coming in and just pouring in. Uh, the reason for that is God follows His Word to perform it. And when you study out the Word of God, you find out that God is the one that came up with the idea to heal. Amen. He is the healer. He called his very own name the healer. It's God's idea to provide. He decreed it. He let his people know that he provides for them. God decided to save us. We wouldn't even know there is a God unless he introduced himself to us. We wouldn't know the word unless a preacher was sent. John, uh, Paul said, how will they hear unless a preacher is sent? And so God is the one that sends the word into our lives to transform and change us. And yet when you look around and you see not just in the world, because the world's a mess and the Bible says those that do not know Jesus are not saved. They are the ones that are destroyed and they are suffering and struggling because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. But when you're born again, you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. You and I are born into that kingdom. So I'm not even talking about the world, but when you look in the church, generally speaking, you may wonder how come, you know, if God's so good, then how come this happens? How come that goes wrong? Jesus did say in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And then so if Jesus has overcome it, how did I know I needed to be saved? I needed to hear it. How did I know that he heals? Because someone declared it and we had to choose to believe it. How did I see him provide is when I learned it from the word. And this is very important to know because the word of God says from two different scriptures, Isaiah 5 verse 13 says, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Very often we think our problem is we just need more money. If you don't mind me asking now, if you wouldn't mind waking up tomorrow with an extra 50 grand in your bank, if you wouldn't mind having an extra million, you wouldn't mind having, even if it was another thousand, you wouldn't say no to it. Can I see your hand just quickly? Just put your hand up. Now I want you to look around. Just, you notice every single hand went up. Now if we did a quick little survey here and found out what everybody's earning, you understand there are some people that may not even have a job. We'll fix that tonight. And then you'll find the other people that you thought, if I was earning that, I don't even earn that in a year, and you get that in a month. But you notice that everybody put their hand up? 
So that proves more money didn't solve your problem. The money doesn't solve the problem. It'll answer a need at the moment. But the issue runs deeper than how many rands coming through your paycheck. If I had a better job, if I lived in a better neighborhood, if I married a better spouse. You see, the devil will try and lie to us. Now, that I'm talking about someone else. That's not me. I got the right life. I got the right wife. Amen. Thank God for the wife of my youth. I'm well pleased and we live out the fullness of our days together. Amen. But the thing is that people think it's somebody else's fault. The government hasn't done enough for me. The, uh, my, my political party and, uh, and this one and that one and this one caused this problem and that happened and this went wrong and I had the wrong upbringing. I had the wrong schooling. I'm the wrong color. I'm the wrong gender. I'm the wrong height. I'm the wrong. You are, are you with me? There's so many different reasons that the enemy will try and find somewhere that your insecurity is. And try and identify that, try and magnify that, that that's my problem. And God says, none of that is your problem. The issue is my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Only reason we aren't able to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, there's something missing. But thank God He answered that. And obviously it begins with your salvation. And last week we had a look and we said, we're talking about the gospel and we've got to be very cautious because some people, you know, may hear certain things and it always comes from your point of view. We all listen from our place either of insecurity or our doubts and unbeliefs or our, our hurts or something can try and color what God's trying to get through to us. And why is it that when the pre preacher preaches, one person on this side goes, hallelujah. Another one says, I can't wait to get out of this building. You both heard the same word. What's the difference? It has to do, Jesus said, be cautious for with what you hear for the measure that you hear, so it'll be dealt to you. It's only what we hear and are willing to allow to change our lives that we're able to walk in the fullness of it. And one of the areas that the enemy has tried to stop us from walking in the increase that God has provided for us is to try and paint a picture around it where it's almost churches are nervous to talk about it because they don't want to sound like that prosperity bunch. And they might talk about the prosperity gospel. Now, I mentioned that last week, and we'd spent some time, and so if you did miss it, I want to invite you, please go onto our, uh, our live stream or, or our um, podcast, and you will find the message there. And I dealt with what is the gospel. Remember John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have Everlasting life, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now, he who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So I've heard the gospel. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into the world and preach thee, breach thee. The gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And so when we hear that, we hear the gospel is that Jesus died for your son. He rose from the dead. And if you believe that, 
You are saved. And that ultimately is God's priority, is to get somebody saved. God wants you to live with Him for eternity. And so the, before He deals with anything else, He's got to deal with your spirit. Because here's the thing, you can fix a garden by cutting the weeds. But if you don't deal with the root, those weeds will grow up again. And so salvation is where God takes the old life. He doesn't just cut it off and regenerate your new life. He totally takes away your old spirit. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's a heart transplant where He places in you His heart. And with His heart in you, you now are able to walk in the kingdom of God. So that is the beginning. Now that you're born again and you're saved, obviously there's things that are going to happen. You're going to learn to walk closer with God, become intimate with God, learn how to pray, how to hear His voice, how to be able to understand the Word, receive faith, how to speak accurately. Those are all part of maturing as a Christian. But you were not just saved to get to heaven one day. There's more to the gospel. So the gospel is not just about getting people saved, even though that is the priority. Galatians chapter 3, verse 18, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the, the gospel to Abraham. Galatians 3, verse 8, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Abraham as a believer. The Bible says that before Christ died on the cross for righteousness, the fact that Abraham believed, God accounted it to him as righteousness. He got his righteousness on credit. See, with God, there's no time. See, God, we talk about our future. With God, there is no future. With God, it's all now, today. I have given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. I have blessed you with every blessing. And so Abraham, the fact that he believed God considered Jesus already crucified, we can call him righteous because he chooses to believe. Now those of us who are of faith, let me see how many of that, how many of us say, yeah, say that's me. Say this, I am of faith. I am also blessed the same way Abraham was blessed. So when God, the word preached the gospel to him, how many you understand that was more than the death and resurrection of Jesus? He told him, if you go and have a look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Notice he didn't say I'm going to make you a big religious organization. I'm going to make you a great Nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. 
I don't have time to go and read it all right now, but if you go into, back to Galatians 3, you go down to verse 13 and 14, it says that Christ hung on a tree and he was made to be a curse so that the blessing of Abraham may come on us also. So there really, if you want to talk about it this way, there is no such thing as a prosperity gospel. There is only the gospel. That gospel includes your salvation. It begins with your salvation. It also includes your healing. It includes your protection. It includes deliverance. Doesn't matter if you've been delivered today from something or you get into something in the future. He will always deliver you from whatever your destruction might have been. His word was sent to heal and to deliver you from destruction. He says he'll never allow you to be put to shame. And if you call on his name, he will call you. He'll deliver you from the, the snare of the fowler. And so included in that, included in the gospel is prosperity. It's included. Say it is included. But you see, family of God, it comes back to the way we look at things. What are they there for? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul gives us instruction to Pastor Timothy to the people in his church. He says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but the living God who gives us Richly, all things to enjoy. Say this, God gives me things to enjoy. I know for myself, I had to renew my mind in that. I almost felt guilty about taking time off to enjoy something. I had to always work, 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 get, keep going. And then, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be generous and I'd give to other people and I'd make sure everybody else has got, but I... I felt almost guilty about spending any money on myself and about enjoying what God has given me. My wife doesn't have that problem. But I watched her life, and she ministered to me this gospel. And I realized from the Scripture, Paul's saying, God gives us richly. Everyone say richly. No, he doesn't even just say God gives us things to enjoy. Yeah, but that's a little over the top. No, he gives us richly. Family of God, how many of you remember we went through a time where there was a drought? There was a lack of rain. Remember that? They started talking about day zero, and then we postponed it, and then we pushed it out the way, and then we canceled it. How do you remember that? Now, if you got... The dams are dry and there's just one liter of water in your house. And you're not even sure the shops are empty. There's no more water anywhere. You'll never get any more water. That's the only water that there is. Then yes, you need to ration it. Isn't that right? But how many of you, when you look at the ocean full of water, now obviously you don't drink that, but I'm, I'm using that as an example. You can go to a dam. Let's take a full dam of fresh water. And you take a cup of water and you throw it into the, into the field. Is that a waste of water? You took a cup out and the dam didn't even go. Because you can just keep. How you know you, there's just no ways you ever going to empty the ocean. You can throw bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket out of the ocean. There is no ways you are going to ever empty the ocean. 
So how do you see your provision? Do you see it as that one liter of water in your house? That's all I've got. That's all I'll ever have. I'm not going to look after this. Or do you see it as heaven's provision and heaven's supply that there is more than you could ever imagine? I'm not talking about being wasteful. I'm not talking about being a bad steward. There's a place to be a good steward, and there's a place to be accurate and distribute correctly. But we have to renew our mind that God is far more exceeding above whatever we could ask, think, or imagine. He gives us how? Richly, richly, richly. Say richly. Don't be nervous of it now. God gives us richly how many? All things to enjoy. Now, verse 18, let them do good. In other words, you've got it. God's provided it. Enjoy it, but get your priorities straight. Everybody say priorities. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these, what? Things shall be added to you. What things? The things that those without a covenant with God are searching for. The things that everybody's chasing after. Housing, cars, clothing, food. What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? And Jesus said, why are you chasing stuff? Get your priorities straight. First. First implies there's already a second. Otherwise, you wouldn't need the word first. God wants you to have things. He wants you to enjoy things. Somehow the enemies managed to convince the church that any desire for anything is a form of covetousness. Family God, I want everything God has paid for for me to enjoy. How you say amen? I want to experience everything that He has for me. And so the difference is not that we're not going to have things and we're going to be as poor as possible to prove that we're spiritual. That is a lie from Satan. It's that I'm going to make the kingdom of God my priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus said leading up to that in verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I can tell very quickly what people's passions are. I just have to check their spending habit. What's on your credit card slips? What, what, what's in your credit card spending the most? That's where your passion's going to be. 
What is, where does your money go? It's interesting how, you know, a guy and a wife keeps complaining. There's, there's things in the house that need to be fixed. This is broken. This is not working. This is not happening. I need money for this. And he always says, there's not enough money for that. I, we don't know. One day, honey, we don't have money. But then when that new golf club comes out, now all of a sudden he can, he can afford the club. We know where his heart is. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. Where's my treasure? Where's your treasure? Something that we need to address in ourselves. Now notice Jesus said that we lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. You know, we, we do invest on the earth. Jesus did teach that. Remember he gave the message to the, the, those three people, one with five talents, one with two, and one with one. The one with five increased it. He had obviously invested it and produced more. And the one with two did the same thing. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. And he gave them more authority and he promoted them. But then the one who didn't produce, Jesus corrected him and said, you should at least have given it to the bankers. If you don't understand big investing, give it to someone who does and at least get some return, get some increase. See, Jesus wants to see increase. He doesn't want it to stay the same way it's been. He's looking for that increase. See, when he puts gifts and talents into your life, it's there to increase. It's to increase your influence. It's to increase your capacity, your ability to help and minister the Word of God into other people's lives. We should always be wanting to increase more. And so he's not saying in the Scripture, don't invest. It's talking about that hoarding up. Don't hoard it away. Because remember that one man when he said, uh, whatever I've got, I'm going to put in my bonds, but my bonds aren't big enough, so I'm going to break my bonds now. I'm going to build bigger bonds. I'm going to stack it all away. And when I put it all away, then I can sit back and say, now soul, take your rest. Eat, drink, and be merry, you know. And the word Jesus says that uh, today your soul is required of you. Because it's not about storing up in fear. If you understand the kingdom of God, where God poured out manna, they ate every day. But you notice the instruction, the way he gave it, was that when the manna comes in, then go out and gather up, but only gather for what you need for that day. Don't take too much, because if you're taking too much, it's a poverty mentality. I may, I may need tomorrow, I may need more next week. And he says, I am your provision, I am your supply. Because if you take extra, it's going to rot. Hoarding up will rot. Moth and rust will destroy. And those that didn't listen hoarded up and brachis the next day, there were worms in the thing. They couldn't even eat it. And then the Sabbath comes along and God says, now gather enough for two days. See, you're always going to be listening for the next instruction. It's not always going to be exactly the same. And so he's gathered up enough for the next two days. And in doing that, obeying God, they entered into a Sabbath, a rest, knowing that God would provide. Then that manna sustained them through a time of not having any manna on the ground. But their trust was in God and His Word. You see, that's where a lot of people miss the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not about a religious day. Jesus said that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not about a religious ritual. It's exactly what God showed Adam in the Garden of Eden. 
that once he had finished creation, he had taken time, six days, to work, to prepare the earth, prepare the, the fields, prepare the animals, prepare the, the, the seasons. Everything was prepared. And then right at the end, man didn't see any of that happening. He puts the man in the earth and then gives him a phenomenal instruction is that you go out and fill this earth. Do exactly everything that you see around you. Multiply it, increase it, grow it, and expand and I want you to fill the planet. I can just see Adam looking. How big is this planet? And then the next morning wakes up, ready to go to work. And God says, let me show you how to do it. Rest. See, I built it into the system to multiply and to grow. I built it in. The birds don't even worry about where their next meal is. Have you ever seen a bird begging? Have you ever seen a bird struggling, kind of can't fly because it's starved? There's always food for a bird. Always. Isn't that right? Are you not of more value? I asked this question last week. What would happen... When you're done, you're on the earth. How many of you have thought ahead into heaven and wondered, I wonder if my place is ready? Maybe I need a bond to make sure it's ready because I'm not sure if I'm going to go. I'm not sure. I might go tomorrow and I don't know if it's finished yet. I know Jesus said he's prepared a place for me, but what's my address, Father? At least give me some insight. I need to know. What are you going to eat when you get there? How many of you ever thought about it? I, I don't think anybody, until I had the Lord revealed that to me, is you going to heaven and all you know is, I'm going. You haven't given thought to where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And he says, that's how it needs to be on the earth. I will look after you. I will provide for you. But it takes understanding this commitment to the kingdom of God. See, a lot of people are out there struggling, battling. Now, family of God, you've got to get this, this priorities right. You notice Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. You study that word out, sorrow, in the, in the Greek, in the original Hebrew, in this particular sense. In the original Hebrew, it's the Strong's number 6089. It's the word eseb means painful toil, labor, hardship. And a lot of people feel guilty unless they've worked. They don't feel like they've earned it. And there's a, there's a feeling in the world when you get people that have, that have that, and you see wealthy people and they say, you know, well, they worked for it. Well, they didn't actually work. You know, it's like you have to go out and sweat to deserve your money. Whereas when you come to the kingdom of God and he says the blessing is what makes you rich, not your job. The blessing makes you rich. Notice, not blessings. The blessing. 
the blessing. See, houses and cars and clothing, those are blessings. That's the fruit of the tree. But the tree itself is the blessing that God's spoken to Abraham, that He's spoken to Noah, that He's spoken to Adam, that He spoke through Jesus. It's always the same blessing. But that blessing empowers you and makes you rich. And there's no toil with it. Now, I know people get nervous with this message and they say, are you telling people they mustn't work? I didn't say that. Did I say that? I'm saying you're not working to make a living. Why do we work? To develop the gift that's placed in us. Your gift that God placed in you Whatever your skill is, some people, they just know money, man. They know, you know, they just have to look at a property and it will build. And, you know, it's, the building goes up, they build it, and it's in the right place, and they know how to invest, and they invest in something that company produces. They become multimillionaires. Some people just know how to do that. But that skill was not to make you a billionaire. It was to serve the kingdom of God. Some people may be really highly skillful in managing people, looking after people, and you, and you become a, a consultant and a, and a coach and a and a life coach, and do very well. That's great, but it wasn't primarily for that. The gifting was to be able to shepherd and look after the church of Jesus Christ. And so you have a gifting and a skill placed in you, and so when you come into the kingdom of God, that skill is ought to be used in the kingdom of God. Now, how do I develop that skill? I go and I do something, and I go and serve mankind. Whatever I'm doing, whether you are, uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing, Somebody could be serving in a restaurant, flipping burgers, whatever it is. You're doing it to serve mankind, to be in the marketplace, to be ready and on edge, on point, so that when somebody is crying out in desperation for prayer, for healing, for deliverance, for salvation, you're able to give them the gospel and get them saved. And then in serving, God provides and looks after you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer. So in the natural, stop stealing. Stop cheating on taxes. Stop taking that pencil home when you know it's not yours. Stop clocking out ahead of time and say you were here until... Say amen. Spiritually, return the Lord's tithe. Stop using it for yourself. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking this is for the person you're going to give the message to. So let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. What is good? Why? Why? Why do we work? So that you have something to give to those who have a need. See, I don't work for a living. I work for seed. I work for seed. See, technically, no one can pay you enough to settle what your gifting is. 
I don't care what people pay you. You can double my salary, double your salary. You want to double again and then doubled again and doubled again. Why? Why, why is there this lust in the world for more and more and more? Because people know they're worth far more than that. You know you're worth more than your salary. I said, you know you're worth more than your salary. Isn't that right? If I walked up to you and said, I want you to, you know, I'll give you a million rand if you pluck your eye out right here. Give it to me. I need your eye. A million rand. How are you willing to do that? So I proved you already, just your eye is worth more than a million. Uh, some of you may think, yeah, I don't mind. I'll go without an eye as long as I go. No, no, that, that's stupid. That, that's Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you will blow that million within six months and then one day, where's my eye now? And I, but your million's gone. But anybody with any sense will know. So that's just your eyeball. So let's add up all your organs. Just put a million bucks on every organ. You, uh, two million, three million, four million, five million. I don't know. I don't care. But that's just in monetary value. Your life is worth more, far more than any boss could ever pay you because you're not being paid for your time. You're not being paid. They'll link it to an hourly rate. They will, they'll tell you that, but you know you're worth much more than that. And God says, if you will make a decision, you put my kingdom first, take the gifting that's in you, serve the Lord Jesus Christ, serve His church, serve your mankind, use what you have to develop your gifting, then I will make sure you always got seed to produce more in your life. Give Jesus praise for His Word. See, Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. That's one of the keys that I had to learn very quickly in faith is most people have no problem when the pastor preaches a word and say, how many of you believe this? Everybody will put their hand up. That's not the problem. Not that faith didn't come because faith always comes by hearing. If you've heard the word, you have faith. The key is the patience. And that's where the enemy puts the stress and the pressure. You need your rent this month. You need your food today. You need this by tomorrow. And the job you have is not producing it fast enough. When we learn the kingdom of God and we say, if I have sown my seed, there is a harvest due. And God is not mocked. And if I don't see it today, it is on its way. And it's learning to unhook from that salary as my provision. Because how many of us can say today, right now, as you sit here, imagine tomorrow didn't exist. Imagine. By the time we're done here, and I say, family, we, we finished with tonight's service. And I say, God bless you. And we all shout, Jesus is Lord. 
and boom, we're all in heaven. Can you imagine that? Just for a moment, just for a moment. Imagine that was going to happen tonight. How many of you suddenly go, You don't worry about the car payment anymore. Who's going to pay the car? I don't care. I'm not going to be here. And the house bond? I don't know. Whoever gets that, man, kids can sort that out. Hello? When you leave this earth, you're not even yet to read your will. I don't care what they do with it from now. Once I'm gone, I'm gone, man. It's... So all the pressure's gone. The car payment's gone. You're not even going if, to, if, if you knew that we were going to leave, as soon as I say amen, yeah, we're all going to be in heaven, you're not even thinking about supper. <laughs> Isn't that right? So where's the stress? Where's the worry? It's about what happens after the service, what happens tomorrow. Next month. And Jesus says, then you don't understand the kingdom. Why are you worrying? Because when tomorrow gets you, the bird will wake up and his worm will be waiting for him. He doesn't think I ate all the worms yesterday. I don't know if they'll be tomorrow. He, you don't see a bird? I better get up quick. I better be up. The first bird catches the worms. I better be up the first. No bird goes to bird school to remain. Now remember, everybody take together, the early bird catches the worm. And that bird slept in and that's why he got hungry. Now, that, now, if you understand the kingdom of God, you'll understand that when you have a need at that moment, if you trust God, I have sown my seed, I trust Him, I seek first His kingdom, I've served in the house of God, I honor my God, and I know that when the need shows up, the provision will be there for me to enjoy. Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting this. In you is a production center. Sow your seed. Trust God. Speak His Word. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Watch what you say. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you bring forth good things. Amen. Family of God, it's time to renew our minds. God is your provision. And if He is... You lack nothing. You are blessed to be a blessing. Say that. How many believe that word? How many have the faith for it? Well, today we're going to settle that over the communion table. Janine and I, through the years, have settled many, many, many things over communion. And... You trust God by faith. You trust His Word. You speak His Word. And His Word always provides. But I want to encourage you that when it comes to communion and it comes to serving, that you understand that through the communion table, can you just grab, oh, there we go, got it. Through the communion table, Jesus, when He, on the last day, the last supper, not the last day, the last meal that he had. 
he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And if you ever get to a place where you find that fear is pressing you so hard that even when you've taken the word and you've spoken it and you've confessed the scriptures, but you find yourself still in a place of worry. We've learned recently many times before, but I'm just saying the last message, talking about renewing the mind, renewing the mind. What am I doing? I'm settling my mind to believe what I know my spirit knows. Because if I'm born again, why is it that in an atmosphere of faith, I truly don't care about tomorrow? And yet he gets me one o'clock in the morning, Satan. Why is that? Because that spirit of fear is coming to try and steal that word. And when you find that you're really, really struggling, you need to realize that whatever I'm struggling for, whether it's my healing, whether it's my provision, something I'm trusting God for, protection, the protection of my children, I realize I can't be everywhere at the same time. Anyone that's had children knows what it's like is when they're small, you can keep them and look after them and protect them, never out of your sight. But the day comes you have to let them be adults, let them go. Doesn't mean you stop caring as a parent. But you know God has given angels. You know God gave a covenant of protection. And so the best thing to do at that moment is take out the covenant emblems and say, this is the gospel. This is what the gospel is. It's more than just my eternal life. It's my full provision. It's my full supply. It's my healing. It's my deliverance. Jesus died for this situation. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you. When you eat, remember. And so as you take of the emblems today, put yourself in remembrance. Anything I've ever worried about, Jesus already provided for it. Paid for it in full on the cross. And so today as we partake of the bread, just say, I remember. That same night he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood, the cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for you. He said that it is a new covenant, a better covenant. Now, when you read through the old covenant, the stories are amazing. When their backs were against the wall, God would come out and fight on their behalf. Amazing miracles would happen. Provision. This time tomorrow, it'll be in abundance and be cheap. And even that one military man, he said, even if God opened the windows of heaven, it's not going to happen in 24 hours. God can move. Amen. Hallelujah. But the prophet said, you don't understand. 
Now you will see it, but you'll not eat of it. Family God, it's time to believe for the ridiculous. Don't let anybody ever talk you out of believing the ridiculous. Walking on water. Who's heard of such a thing? Peter did it. We toiled all night. Toiled. We toiled. We worked hard and produced nothing. And Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. Oh, that's the reason. That, that's the problem. We were on the wrong side of the boat. Worked hard, but the wrong side of the boat. No. Jesus was saying, trust my instruction. I give you a word. And the fish multiplied within the net. Breaking the net. Ridiculous. That's why Peter fell on the ground. Forgive me, I'm a sinful man. Why didn't I just trust you? At your word. At your word. Lift the cup. Say, in this cup of the new covenant is my full salvation. Jesus' blood paid for the full price of my forgiveness and my full provision. Everything I need pertaining to life and godliness. Today, I plead the blood of Jesus. My every need is truly supplied. God truly makes grace abound towards me. And I always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. Jesus, thank you for giving me the covenant of the New Testament. I receive the full promise of everything that your blood was shed for. It is mine today. I settle it as I drink on this. It is done. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and drink. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give Jesus praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Is Quite, there's, there's, there's quite a few people here tonight. When I said this morning, come for your miracle, you had an issue in your body. Either it was a pain, and you felt it even walking in. It might be a lump in your body, some kind of affliction. But if you check your body now, it's gone. You, you weren't even aware of it. But you just check, where, where's that? The pain is gone. If you check that where that lump was, it, it's gone. It's, it's dissolved. Take a deep breath. You couldn't before. There it is. How many of you, without realizing, by the time you drank the cup, now that I'm mentioning it, you're thinking, I came here with an issue and it's healed. Would you lift both your hands in the air?
Where are you? Where are you? Just lift both hands. Lift it high. 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 One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. In our campuses, all over Cape Town. All over Cape Town. Come on, family. Let's give Jesus praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. What happened? We trusted the miracle. We trusted the covenant. And in trusting the covenant is the fullness of your provision. Now the same way you just saw those healings manifest. The same way many of you, your financial debt lack melted away. Melted away. Now, some of you are going to get home and check your bank account and it's done. I'm looking forward to that testimony because I'm saying it tonight. It's done. By the time you get home, you'll find it in your bank account. Some of you, it's going to be a process. Faith and patience. Don't look at the bank. and You may look at it to check if you this one. But if it still says what it says, know this. Your harvest is on its way. So God's moving on somebody and they're about to give it to you. Someone's about to be promoted. Yes, Lord. I hear it. Somebody this week, you're going to hear your boss call you in and he's going to double your salary. Double, 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 double. Not 10% increase, 15. Double. Everyone say double. Amen. Yeah, I also heard that. Somebody said, you're getting people's hopes up. Yes, I am. Because faith is the substance of things. Hope for. Amen. It's too late. Once you get your hopes up, you can't talk people out of it. Abraham, in hope, against hope, believed. Amen. We use the Word of God to get our hopes up for ridiculous things. Like when doctors say you can't have children. <laughs> really? Yeah. When they say, you're going to lose your wife. Uh-uh, we're going to live out the fullness of our days together. We will fulfill. We've been called as a couple. Amen. I didn't decide to start a church. And my wife said, well, okay, I'll come with you. No, he called us together. We're going to do it together. See, ridiculous things. Trust God. How many can sense the presence of God? Only five people. God's moving. Say, today is my day of miracle. Every day. I receive miracles every day. It's normal. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. your hand on your heart and say this with me. Today I've heard that word of God. That word brings faith to my heart. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. I've received everything God has given to me. I walk daily in the miracle power of God. 
No matter what it is, I seek first the kingdom of God. As I give my time, my talents, my ability, my provision, whatever God puts in my life, I give into the kingdom of God. And as I do, He always provides more than I could ever imagine. And I receive the fullness of the gospel into my life in the name of Jesus. And I give Him praise. Hallelujah.